Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 53 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Crazy times. Of course, you're listening to me. It was a, it's a day after the election. Um, who won? I don't know. I'm recording this on uh, Tuesday afternoon. So, uh, of course, the voting is going on as I'm speaking. So, uh, you know, we'll wake up tomorrow and, uh, and find out. But, uh, yeah, this isn't, uh, we won't talk politics on this show. Um, so we'll, in fact, I'm not going to do much talking at all today, um, in terms of my intro. Um, today's guest is, uh, my friend Nick from Missouri. And, uh, I had him on my old show and we talked about his fandom of the Missouri River Otters, um, and so on, but uh, in this episode on the new platform here, um, like I always say, everybody likes lists. People love top tens, top fives, you know what have you. <clears throat> and uh, I wanted to get Nick on just because I enjoy talking to Nick. Nick's a good dude. He's always and uh, he's always supported the show, and uh, well, I've always appreciated that. And uh, and I just have fun talking to him. And uh, so I wanted to get him back on. And we, I said, well, we'll talk. We got to have some sort of topic. So. I gave him the task of coming up with the top five Missouri River Otter fighters that he ever saw, and uh, and he does. And there's some good names in there, and uh, and just when you look at the uh, the River Otter alumni um, in terms of toughness, it's uh, I mean you could basically say about any '90s, mid, early 2000s, you know, UHL, you know, Central League, East Coast League, you know, it's. Um, just a different time back then and just iron league and uh just tough guys and like i said it was the uh was it 96 to or uh, pardon me uh 99 to 06 i believe was the time frame for the river otters in the united league um but yeah we talk about all that as well as uh nick has a uh, new podcast out um and nick is a big music guy and a big uh metal guy and uh and him and his him and his partner cover it's called metal antiquities and uh and he just uh just the deep the deep cuts and uh of the uh from the metal world i mean we like to do uh the you know united league hockey fighters on this podcast well on his podcast there's gonna do uh you know black sabbath with raul balford singing and they reviewed the album and uh and just stuff like that and he's gonna have a meatloaf uh, episode coming up and a kiss episode and uh and nick really knows his stuff so uh you know, if you if you're into to heavy metal music, or uh, you know, you just kind of like the uh, music fun facts, so to speak, um, that would be the podcast for you. And uh, I, Nick, Nick goes into it and explains it all, and uh, and you know, I'll uh, we we talk about it here in the episode. But uh, you know, before we get uh, get into it, um, 
Like I said, I hope everybody uh, goes back, checks out the back catalog. Like I said, this is episode 53, so please, um, you know, 52 other episodes to check out. Interviews with John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Sean McMorrow, Clark Wilm, uh, Roman Volpat, on and on. And, uh, yeah, of course, the uh, last episode I had uh, was the Halloween episode. And, uh, yeah, it was just uh, on Sunday, and... uh, yeah, just talked about uh, you know the topics of the day, the you know with the OHL hitting ban and the and uh, Quebec uh, politicians getting involved in the fighting in the Quebec Junior League, and uh, of course uh, Mitchell Miller and uh, Bobby Orr and all that type, all that stuff. So uh, yeah, talked about that and uh, uh, yeah, going forward here, uh, it's of course obviously Wednesday. Um, Leading up until since I've joined the network, Wednesday was always new content day, and uh, Sunday was always what I call the vault episode, where we played one of my episodes from my old uh, website. But all my player interviews are now up, so uh, as of right now, I'm not really sure what I'm going to be doing on Sundays. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if I'll just be ranting about the hockey of the day or 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 what have you, or um, if I'm going to continue on Sunday. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, we'll see what happens, but I think. Um, this Sunday I'll bring you another episode. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the theme of it will be, but uh, I'll come up with something. But uh, but uh, in the meantime, Wednesday, of course, will always be um, a, a mainstay. Uh, whether the Sunday show goes away or not, I'm not sure. But if it does, uh, regardless of that, Wednesday will always be new content day. So uh, um, talk to a few players uh, about setting up dates for interviews. So uh, that'll be coming around the corner. And... Um, yeah other than that guys um yeah it uh you know we uh uh, of course here on the network there's a there's a number of shows all the nhl teams are represented so whatever fan whatever team you're a fan of there is a show of course terry ryan's also on the network of course terry just has his new book out and he's doing the book tours right now at uh it's a uh, fights film and folklore and i always say if it uh, i haven't got my copy yet it's coming but um i always say if it's half as good as his first book was word for a word for a treat because his first book is one of the best hockey books i ever read uh tales of a first round nothing and of course terry can spin a yarn as they say so uh yeah really looking forward to reading this and uh um shows away from the network um of course joe over at the coliseum chronicles who does uh you know he always uh it's a new york islanders tough guy podcast and he's had mick vakota on dean ewan jason strudwig aaron asham um joe's doing a great great job over there and uh and, you know he's always been a big supporter of the show i also had joe on in terms of uh in my um vault episodes um it was actually one of the first episodes i'd ever done on my old on my thing it was almost two years old and uh joe has an amazing story and uh not only were he's a fight fan from way back that him and i know each other way back from the the vhs and message board days that's how dated joe and i are but um he also has quite the story of uh his hub his subway heroics and uh literally stopping a serial killer in new york subway on the new york subway um you just type in Joe Lazito in Google, it'll come right up. Joe wrote a book about it, and uh, and he goes, uh, he tells the story on the show as well. So that's a really cool episode. So if you haven't heard Joe's story, I recommend checking out not only his podcast but that episode as well. And uh, other than that, um, 
like I said, one of the sponsors of the network here is uh, CoolHockey.com. So um, before you hit fast forward and, oh, ads, let's get on with it. Uh, no, actually, this is a really cool deal. Um, if you're into jerseys, um, I know a lot of listeners are, um, or Christmas is coming up, you know, for that hockey fan in your family. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to buy the knockoff jerseys. They want the real ones. Um, well, i got a good deal for you. Um, through the network here, if you use the promo code THPN at checkout, um, you get 30% off and free shipping. They're out of Toronto. Uh, like I said, they've been around since 1999. They're NHLPA endorsed. Uh, CoolHockey.com. Um, they got all the teams are represented. Third jerseys, stadium jerseys, all-star jerseys, whatever jerseys you want. And um, they're all... Uh, um, you know, fight strap, hand sewing numbers, uh, like the, it's the jerseys the guys wear on the ice, the real deal. And, um, you know, the feedback's all been really positive on the, on the company. Um, like I said, they've been around for, you know, 21 years now. So, uh, gotta be doing something right. And, uh, like I said, really, really proud to, uh, uh, bring you guys the, the promo code, save some cash. And um, if you have any questions, like I said, I've just mentioned Joe. Joe, of course, being the big Islander fan, always in jerseys. Uh, Joe is a massive Islander jersey collection, and uh, you know, and he's always, always looking for you know, with the with the deal being so good, he's always uh, you know getting new stuff, new threads, uh, you know, to cruise around Long Island with, and um, you know, and like that's the thing, Joe's Joe's like. You know, there's Islander fans, and then there's Islander fans, and Joe's like deep, deep Islander fan. You know, since like the you know back in the day, and like I said, anybody can wear a La Fontaine or a Bossy jersey. No, Joe's like like I said before with the like with Nick and his music show on this podcast. We're B side guys. We're deep cut guys. You know, really, really get into it. Joe wants to be unique when he wears the jersey. You know, so right now Joe is not is uh, is kind of doing like this one hit wonder. You know, one season wonder kind of Islander thing with even with his jersey. So. uh you know, and I had talked to him, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm just putting in an order this weekend. It's uh, I'm getting it hand sewn and everything. Number forty five. He goes, you know who number forty five, right? And I'm like, yeah, who's that? And he goes, Marco Kiprasov. You know, the Finnish Flash, the original Finnish Flash. And I was like, okay, you know, yeah, I'm down, Joe. Yeah. So if you see a Kiprasov jersey cruising around Long Island, that's Joe. Go up, say hi." tell him you heard about him you, you listen to a show uh joe will be down and uh but yeah he's uh uh like i said joe's big on the jerseys and uh yeah the, the unique just unique <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna run out of names for joe here soon <laughs> but uh yeah guys there, there we go and uh also this is another he doesn't even know he's a sponsor of my show. That's how good of a sponsor he is. He doesn't even know he's a sponsor. I made him a sponsor of my show. How's that? No, I just want to tell you about him because he's a good dude. Um, if you were in the Lloyd Minster, Alberta, well, I was to say Lloyd Minster, Alberta, it's, and Saskatchewan, as it's called the Border City. The border literally goes down downtown Lloyd Minster. That's why it's called the Border City. You could you could live in Lloyd Minster, Saskatchewan, or Lloyd Minster, Alberta. Anyway, if you're in the area. And you need tires. Snow is coming, and around here you need winter tires. And if you need winter tires, all seasons, whatever rims, need a patch job fixed. Fountain Tire in Lloydminster, owned and operated by Kent Staniforth, friend of the show. So uh, yeah, everyone needs tires at some point. So roll into Fountain Tire. Tell Kent uh, you heard about it on the Fourth Line Voice. 
I don't I don't know what that'll get you. That probably won't get you. It might get you a free coffee. I don't know. And maybe a, a Western Hockey League story from Kent. Ask him what it was like to play for Mike Babcock. He'll tell you a good story. Or you can just go back and listen to his episode here on the show. That was a really good episode, too. But Lloyd Minster, Fountain Tire, Kent Staniforth, go for it. Uh, other than that, folks, how about we get into this interview? Yep, so here's my interview with Nick. Uh, we talk about river otters, music, and just minor league carny promotions and 50 cent draft nights and what have you just a fun minor league hockey talk uh so uh i will talk to you guys on sunday thanks guys all right here we are back on the fourth line voice got nick and the on the phone all the way from missouri a, a returning guest i guess you're on my old podcast but on the new get your uh first time on the new platform nick how you doing today I am doing good. It is. It's hopefully a great day here in St. Louis. We'll go. We'll go with that. There we go. Yeah, of but, course we're recording. It's a big day, election day. We'll see how it goes. But uh, people are going to tune in. They're going to try to. They want to escape the craziness that is U.S. politics, and they're going to listen to us two idiots discuss Missouri River Otter history. I'll be honest, I am here to escape the craziness myself. When you said you wanted to do it today, I was thrilled because it takes a window of my day where I'm not doom scrolling. So thank you for that. Well, there we go. I, I told you before we got going, it's like, yeah, after this, it's going to be uh, tonight, it'll be uploading fight videos onto my YouTube channel and going to bed. I am not watching any of this nonsense. So I will be watching it till the bitter end. I'll probably be drunk by six. I'm fine with that. I've warned my family. and But my kid and I will be watching a lot of your fight videos today. She specifically asked me today if we could watch some of your videos again. While you're raising them right, there you go. And uh, Well, she's when she plays, she's she's the biggest kid on her team. And I keep telling her, you got to play big to protect the little ones. Well, so there you go. Father of the year right there, if you ask me. I my I would agree. My my kid would agree. My wife sometimes agrees. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I've had you on before, and we talked way back when. And uh, of course, we talked about uh, your fandom and Missouri River Otters and uh, the Lake Charles and the United League in general. Uh, Saint Charles. Yeah. What? Did I, yeah. What did I say? Lake. Is, yeah. Saint Charles. Yeah. No. Saint Charles. Lake Charles. No. Saint. Think. Yeah, yeah. Coached by none other than Jamie Rivers, correct? No, that was the chill. Oh. The Otters had, uh, I think, five total coaches in their seven-year history. Let's see, we had Mark Reeves was the coach for the first four seasons. Lonnie Loach took over in the fifth. Uh, I want to say he was playing. No, he wasn't player coach then. And then he got fired because that was that season was just just. Uh, a clusterfuck beyond all belief. And a Wensick took over. And then what's interesting about Wensick is his first NHL game ever was part of the St. Louis Blues as well. So at this point in time, we had two former St. Louis Blues coaches. Then, in you know, 0405, we got legendary tough guy Kevin Killer Kaminsky as the head coach. Yes. And his tenure was the most violent tenure of the Missouri River Otter. So Shock, shocking. We're going to be, yeah, shocking. We're going to be focusing on his tenure for the most part because it's, it's that 
cool. In his second season, however, he brought in Brad Church from the Florida Everblades, along with Damian Serma and a few other guys, to kind of change the culture of the team a little bit. And the culture change really screwed it up. And he got fired. And then Jeff Brown, formerly of the St. Louis Blues and Vancouver Canucks, came in to coach it out. Then I believe that was his last coaching job before he took over for the, the St. Louis Bandits of the NAHL. But we had, of our coaches, we had three of them were former Blues, which I think is funny. But that's, that's the way you make a minor league team in St. Louis work, is you have a connection somehow. The Chill had Jamie Rivers as the head coach. We didn't have any ex-players, any ex-Blues players on the team because the CHL had much, much stronger veteran rules than the UHL did, even when the UHL had them. I think, I want to say it was seven veterans was the limit. Seven vets, five rookies, and then the rest, and then five tweeners. Yeah, well, and like Missouri, there uh, they were in the United League from '99 to '06. Um, when did you start? Did you start going to the games right away? I started going to the games in 2000. I'm the back third of the back third of the first season, so I think I went to about ten games that year, including playoffs. And then the next year, I went to probably 40 games, including playoffs including some road trips up to Fort Wayne, to Quad City, to Rockford. And then I missed a couple of years. I got back in in 03, the back end of 03, and then a little bit of, you know, not that I was missing it completely, but just not as dedicated as I had been in the past. And then in 0405, I found friends that were going to the game. So in 0405 and 0506, I went to about 40 games each season as well, including road trips. I've always heard, and... Uh... Scott, if you're listening, you got to come on the podcast. You keep docking me. i got to get you on here. But I've heard um, just how loyal and crazy Fort Wayne is. What was your experience going up to Fort Wayne? Fort Wayne was awesome. It, it, that is, in my opinion, the minor league hockey experience. At least it was at the time. I can't speak for it now. I keep talking about getting over there. But I've got no rooting interest, and it's, six hour, it's a six-hour drive each way. And I'm a cheap bastard, and I don't want to do a hotel room, so I want to go up and come back, which makes it a little difficult. But we were there. A buddy of mine and I went, and it was the last game of the season before the playoffs. And pretty sure we played the Comets that year in the playoffs as well. The Otters won, I think, 4-3 to three in a shootout. And the back in those days, the Otters did do, like, fan trips. I never went on a fan trip. I always did it myself. But we were the only... So we were the only visiting fans in the arena. And when they scored the winning goal in the shootout and I was cheering, I felt the eyes. <laughs> it was it was a very interesting experience, but it was a very cool rink. The at that time it was before the renovation, so it wasn't benches, but it was those old school wooden plank chairs. Nice. Yeah. The the scoreboard looked like it came out of uh, my junior high gym. Yep. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even like a, a middle of the, the the arena scoreboard. It was on the wall, and it just. I mean, it looked like if if Hoosiers were a hockey movie, that's what Fort Wayne was like. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And that there, as far as I know, they're one of the. They're definitely the oldest 
continuous running double A team. I see the Amherst are older, and I think the Hershey Bears are older, but a double A hockey team that has existed for sixty years, almost seventy years. That's crazy. That is. Yeah. But it's everybody was nice to us. We didn't get in any fights or anything like that. I tried to buy the icy the eagle because I always tried to buy the plushie whenever I went to in a, an opposing stadium. And it was it was great. The, the fans were great. It was and it was sold out. A regular season game was sold out. There were eight thousand people there. Yeah, which was truly nuts. Yeah, like I read Scott. And there. Yeah, I mean he's a, he's been a, he's in Fort Wayne and uh, he's been going to games forever. And uh, so I want to get him on the show because he's he, you know he could tell so many good stories from that time in Fort Wayne. But yeah, he was just saying like how yeah. Sold out all the time, just constant. And just that would be a really interesting episode. That would be a far better fan episode than the one we're having now. Because Fort Wayne, in the time that I have known about their existence, because St. Louis is a major league town, so it's you're, you're very odd if you're into anything that's not the major league squads. But in the time that I have known of their existence, they've been in the I, the U, the C, the or. The, the second I, which is still the U, the ECHL and CHL. So they have been in every league almost, except the SPHL and, and the AHL, because yeah. they won't go A. Yeah. The owners don't want to go to the A. Yeah. No, I know. So it would be really cool to hear about those changes and how, oh, yeah. from a fan perspective, how that's changed. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, you know, obviously being the fight podcast, I mean, and then Fort Wayne's had such a history of toughness. And promote the toughness, like they're they're big on maybe not so much in 2020, but I mean in the 90s and stuff, and in the early 2000s. I mean, yeah, they promoted the shit out of fighting, you know. And it's like Andy Bezo and Kaminsky and Steve, well, Fletch, Stephen Fletcher has his numbered retired there. So it's like, uh, yeah. So I mean, they've always been real pro fight Fort Wayne too. So and I know, and I've talked to him obviously a lot of times on the phone and stuff, and I know he's got some good stories. So hopefully he'll. Well, uh, as everybody knows, red eye sells. Absolutely, yeah. If you can't get, and I was going to save this rant for later, but I think it's, it's I think we we organically come into it. What used to make hockey great was the fact that it was completely unhomogenized from everything else. There was years ago, and I forget the, the player's name, um, soccer player from England, plays in France now. Last I heard, you know, he got knocked, he got bumped, and he jumped down and rides around like he had been shot by by three different snipers on the grassy knoll and, you know, the book depository. And he says on Twitter, what was I supposed to do? What was I supposed to do? And I'm like, I don't know, punch him in the face? Yeah. But you can't do that in soccer. You can't do that in any other sport. Well, you can in baseball a little, but that was one of the things that made hockey different. And as we have gotten farther and farther away from the time that I started, not only are the minor leagues being homogenized? I found out the federal league has veteran rules. The federal league. I mean, come on. That's that should be the place. It, it that should be the place for the minor league legends that age out. Yeah, that's where we should be seeing guys like Duhart and Little John. That 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 should be their home. But even they're trying to go legit, and then so now the fighting is being taken out of hockey. It's for a long time it's been a lot less than what it once was protecting your team and it became as the LNAH did it a little bit more sideshowy which turned a lot of people off which we talked about a little bit about that the last time I was on 
But as they're homogenizing the sport, it's now, as Alec always says, teacher, teacher, he hit me. Which is, that's what the sport never was. And that was a selling point for hockey. Look, we're different. That's how they got teams in Virginia up and up and going. That's how they got teams in Dallas, everywhere, saying, look, we have something to offer you that basketball doesn't. We have something to offer you that football doesn't. We have the physicality of football and the characters of the WWE. That's a great combination if you think about it. Absolutely. But we've just we've just gotten away from it and I hate the homogenization. And as I listen to your podcast, as I do frequently, hearing you know stories about the W, the, the Western Pro League, and hearing stories about the WCHL, and my memories with the UHL, all of these leagues were different flavors. And now we don't have flavors anymore. We have vanilla. Yep. You don't like vanilla? Okay. Well, we got French vanilla. Okay, you don't like that? Okay, we have fifteen dollar a pint vanilla. That's it's that's what sucks for me. Is seeing everything, all the character taken out of something that, that I love dearly. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? It, it always amazes me. Like even when the fight debate comes up, it's just like uh, I I don't know the these. <laughs> it's like these people that will will argue about it. Um, and if you don't like fighting, that's fine. I get it. I okay, fine. But this idea that oh it doesn't it, it's hurting the game no one likes it. It, it it's like okay like are you being per, like is, are you purposely being like obtuse like what what the fuck are you talking about no one likes it I've ne- I have Look, there in all my years my... I've never heard anyone boo a fight at a game. There was a time in my life, and I will admit this. I will admit this publicly. There was a time in my life where I was against it. I thought it was wrong. I was wrong for thinking that. I admit that. But I never once said that nobody liked it. It was. That is just absurd. The idea that nobody likes watching hockey fights. That's nuts. Well, you just go to a game. As soon as the fight starts, just look around you. Oh, yeah, no, they hate this. Like, are you, what? Like, oh, yeah, you, your kids look like a waterfall coming down the stairs to bang on the glass, and people are high-fiving if their guy won, and, you know, and it's just like, what are you talking about? Like, it's the only two times people will stand up, a goal scored or a fight. And it's just like, so don't, no one likes it, okay? Okay, don't use that, because that's not a reason, because that's ridiculous. Now you're just making shit up, because that's not true. That's like, that's like saying people don't like hockey because the ice is too hot. Exactly. It makes that much sense. Yeah. And, you know, it's. I also find it interesting that, and this is something that I think we're going to lose in the next 10 years, the enforcers become coaches. Yeah. Look at, look at, and when you look at the expertise, the success, you know, we got the chief who won the Stanley Cup. Yep. I mean, this guy was a fighter. That's all he was in the NHL. But yep. he's, become one, he's become one of the greatest coaches. Probably the best coach the Blues have ever had is outside of Scotty Bowman. But, you know, now we're going we're gonna to lose that mentality. And I, I don't know what's going to happen to hockey in 10 years. It's, I, I actually kind of made the, the point that I think the NHL, and, I, and this is not an, a misogynistic thing. I hope everybody's clear on that. But the NHL is going to become more and more like women's hockey, where it's bumping and not checking. Yep. 
Well, I I agree. Well, and it's like, and I've had this debate, like, even with guys on my Twitter account. Like, we'll be talking, and it's just like, uh, you know, it's like, oh, no, if if we we keep it up, uh, the Enforcer will come back. Okay, well, first of all, the Enforcer's never coming back, because... No, it can't. It's not like there's a tree where these guys grow on. Okay, first of all, they've killed it at the junior level. So that's the pipeline to where they came from. So that's they're not. It's not going to happen. So they well, they still they might not fight in junior, but they're still fighting in the NHL. Okay, well, if these guys play, they come up through junior, and if they're not fighting in junior, why are they going to fight in the NHL? If you've never fought before, why all of a sudden are you going to start fighting? Like you're not going to. I mean, you might get into a couple now and again when you get really mad, but overall, if you've never fought in junior. Or one or two times in three or four years, all of a sudden, oh yeah, you're going to get to the NHL, go 15 times. Like, of course, you're not going to. You know, so it's just. It's I a, disagree with you on really? one point. Okay. There is a tree where they grow out of. Well, there was a tree. Well, there in was. Fact, there was a whole damn. There was a whole damn prairie. Oh, of course. But they've they've burned down that prairie and salted the fields. Yes. Oh, yeah, I mean, there used to be, yeah, 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 for sure, and that was always, like, I always laugh whenever they talk about fighting and getting rid of fighting, everybody goes, oh, yeah, fucking Bettman, it wasn't him, Gary Bettman's never put a fight rule in, it's David Branch, that's right, and Hockey Canada, no, 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 Gary Bettman was in charge of the misconduct for instigating, he was in charge then, okay, but. In fairness, he went from a game down to a 10. So, I mean, well, so he, he actually was better. Fair. He actually was pro-fight. And he has said countless times he has no problem with fighting. So he said it's, He's always said it's a part of our game. It's yes. always been a part of our game. Now, oh, and, and I, I think, said you can get mad at Bettman for a million other things. It's like it's not him that's getting rid of the fighting. It's not him. It's David Branch and Hockey no Canada. There's no point for any hockey fan to hate Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman does not make the decisions that the fans hate. Gary Bettman works for the owners, works for the owners in order to help them make more money. Yes. They say, do X. And he says, I will do X, sirs. Yep. It's, he's not changing the culture. All he has done is expanded the game, made it more profitable, and made it bigger. And he has genuinely made it bigger. He has done a great job. I don't like, I don't like him as a human being, because I don't like any commissioner as a human being, but to say that he's ruined hockey or he's done this or he's done that, no. He has, he is the figurehead of the owners. Yeah. Well, That's the, all it is. And Well, and the rules that have been put in, there's a players' committee that votes on that. Like, you know, so you can get, you can, yeah. mother, you can motherfuck them too, you know, like, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, like I said, Hockey Canada and David Branch put in the fighting rule. Like, you, you, well, you fight three times in the Ontario League, and you fight three times now in Quebec, and if you fight the fourth time, you might get the electric chair this year. I don't know what's going to happen. The Western League still doesn't have any rules, but, I mean, there's still no... But they just naturally don't really fight. They'll fight more in, be in the Western League. There's more fights, obviously, because there isn't a fight rule. But, I mean, it's nowhere near what it was. And it's like... And then most of the guys that are doing the fighting, eh, they're not making the NHL anyway. So... Right, and then... On top of that, the the rules or the effects flow upwards. Absolutely. If you the the effects flow upwards and the rules flow downwards, so you have the NHL, you know, going this way, going that way, trying to make it more skilled, more more speed, 
whatever, whether you disagree with that or don't, it's going to cause the AHL to go that way. Yeah. Well, if I'm an AHL player, how do I get to step up? I play the way they're playing. And if I'm in the ECHL and I want to move to the AHL, what do I do? It's it, it, it all goes the same way, and that goes back to the homogenization. There was an interview in 05, the 0506 season, one of the rare times I saw the Missouri River Riders on television. It was an interview between the head coach Kaminsky and Brad Church, the assistant. And they, you know, one of the things they said is, you know, what are you going to see by going to a River Riders game that you won't see by watching a Blues game or going to a Blues game? And he said, well, we're going to have a, we're going to do our best to have as much skill as we can, and we're going to have a lot of grit. Yeah. Well, you're not going to have a lot of grit in the minors now because that's not going to move you forward. No, I mean, yeah, and the thing with the minors is it, it's a whole different, it's just a whole different generation thing, and the world's different now. It just in general, of, you know, whereas guys before would play 10, 10, 12, 13 years in the minors and then get on with their life. Uh, now, I mean, it's pretty much uh, go to school. You, if you're going to get any kind of decent job these days, for the most part, you're going to have to go to school. And guys don't want to, you know, like before you could work, you could play hockey till your twenty late 20s, early 30s. Eh, you'd st- yeah, and a sponsor could hook you up, or you know, you could still land a really good job, or you know, you talk to a couple of the older guys, and it's like, ah, you know, they played a long time down south, and then they got on with the fire department, and now they're on, they're going to work at the fire department down there for the next twenty five years, get the pension, and retire down there. Married, a, married a girl from down south, North Carolina, and you know, we're good. Well, you don't get those firefighting jobs anymore because you need a college degree to get those. You know, like, so now, I think a lot of these guys, yeah, they might go play a couple years in the minors, eh, you know, just say you did it, but you're going to see a lot of guys leaving hockey at 23, 24, 25 now, and going back to school, or, you know, getting on with their life. Like You have to. Yeah, of course. The Federal League, the Federal League, the last chance league, on a good day, has a veteran rule of three. Yep. And it's not just a veteran rule. It's a veteran. You can't have three. You can't have more than 900 games played between them. Yeah, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I hate the veteran So you have rule. two guys play, that have played five years, and you're done, you, you don't have any room for a third. Yep. I, I mean, that to me is insane. Oh, I think any veteran rule is insane. It, to me, it's ridiculous. I don't know why any league I agree, would have a veteran and, rule. Because it's like... That's who people latched. Back in the day, you had guys that would stay in cities for like three and four seasons. And people could, yeah, you'd have, for the most part, guys would go in and out and it was a revolving door all the time every year. It's like, oh, who are we getting to get this year? But you always had your kind of two or three guys that, well, I don't know who we're going to get, but damn it, you know, Tim's going to be here, you know, because he's always, you know, he's our guy. And he would like... Oh, yeah, the, the Otters had a guy named Charlie Blythe, 313 games. Exactly. It's funny. I'm, I have Hockey DB open. I'm looking right at him. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Wasn't that great, but we had him for a long time. Yep. And, you know, he was he, he was good for he, he was good for 20, 30 points, and, and you know he was going to do his job. And yep. Jason Tapp signed a three-year deal after leaving the Otters with with Quad City. I mean, you always had those guys that, in 
you had a couple. You'd have four or five guys that would come back every year. Yep. You know, we had a guy named Anthony Capaletti, 233 games. Yep. We had uh, 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 B.J. Heckendorn, who was fuck-awful. We had two seasons out of him. Uh, we always called him Heckendam or Heckendarn. Yeah, well, you just like Lonnie, Lonnie Loach, like we had talked about before, right? Like he was interesting. It's he was on the he played for the first three seasons of the Otters. Was the coach of the fifth? No, I'm sorry, first four seasons, coach of the fifth, and then in the sixth or in the seventh, he came back. He had been at the fire department, and his wife was a member of his wife was a member of the front office. His kid played for the St. Louis Junior Blues of the. NA3HL now and he was a, worked at the fire department in St. Charles and he came back when things went way south in terms of attendance and in terms of everything to you know, kind of bring people back into the back into the stands so he had been out for a couple of years you know we had Darren Kimball play three seasons with us yep. it's I mean it's, it's those are the kinds of guys that you know because Darren Kimball and I'm not trying to be mean or anything but Darren Kimball didn't exactly have the greatest NHL career. Let's see. You know, 311 games. He made it. No no question about that. But he didn't play in the NHL after 1995. And then he played another eight years, eight, nine years in the minors. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Just wanted to keep going. And the, the, the guys in the minors that just want to keep going, those are the best guys. Yeah. Well, plus back then, I mean, you know, you still you had the AHL didn't have the veteran rule like they had. You had the IHL, like mm-hmm. the, the real IHL, you know. And I mean, the major cities, those guys, you make good money. You flew. I mean, it was like, you know. So I mean, you make good money there. I mean, you could stick around and make. Like, yeah, okay, you weren't gonna re- you weren't gonna be able to retire after you were done. But I mean, you could at least, you know, you were making good money. To keep play, to make it worthwhile to keep playing, the money. Oh, I'm sure the, the I'm money sure your isn't. average guy back then made seventy thousand seventy thousand a year. Oh, well, the I and the A for sure they did. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it's and like oh, and if you played in the mine in the central, if you if you had a good spot and you know like a Dewhart and stuff, he would have made okay. He would have done okay. You know, nuts. I don't think he would have made seventy grand, but I mean, you know, the owners would have helped you out, and you would have got you would have got a few envelopes. You know, it would have been yeah. Would have been worth your while to stick around, you know. Great, and we miss that. We don't have that anymore. No, well, now the money's just not there. You know, like these guys aren't making any money. I think the money is there. They just choose to take it away. Because I think, and we've talked about this before. I think, you know, a a double A plus league or you know triple A minus league would work. I think there are enough of these guys that have been around a long... Well, maybe... You know, maybe we even missed the window on that. Yeah. But I would love to see... You know, I would love to see... Not a rival league, but an independent league of... So we don't have that anymore. And that was what made hockey, minor league hockey great. When, in the interview I was talking about with Church and Kaminsky, you know, Church talked about the difference between the E and the U. I mean, that's... Yeah, well, I think if you got a, I think there, if you got a rival league and you paid some money, it would and you got it, it, fuck this veteran shit, got rid of that. Um, I think you'd stop a lot of guys from going overseas, and they'd stay here. 
You know, it, it provided you pay as, as long as you had some money and you paid guys. So now you could get veteran guys instead of going over to Germany. Because there's guys that go to Germany forever, you know, a long time, you know, or the UK. You could stop them from doing that if they want and keep them here. Yeah, I mean, when you can make when you can make more money playing in the lower leagues in Germany and the lower leagues in the UK than you can at home, you're going to go. Well, yeah, it's a, and it's a you know. Plus, if you could take the wife with you, or, the, or at the time, if you're young enough, you have the girlfriend still with the fiance, and before you have kids and all that. Oh, here's a free trip to Europe for a couple of years. We could get we could see Europe on someone else's dime, and and then you know we'll, oh, yeah. we'll head home and get on with our lives. I mean, I know lots of guys. Have I like done that. that. I would. I'd take that now with my wife and kid. Well, yeah. But that, <laughs> uh, that's unfortunately, story. Belfast isn't looking for a garbage truck driver, so I guess I, I'm not going to go. <laughs> but you, know, you need some environmental advice over in uh, Cardiff? Let me know. You know. Hey, if you need somebody to give tours at uh, my family's castle, uh, gladly. I'll learn how to do a Scottish accent. Absolutely. My my family does have a castle. Really? Record. My yes, yeah, Clan Cameron is an extraordinarily huge historic uh, Highland clan from Scotland. Well, However, what's, and what's your ass doing sitting in St. Louis? Uh, well, you know, a clan is not like a noble family. You can be in the clan and not be noble. Well, I know However, a few, I, I know a few believe, clans that aren't noble, but okay. I choose to believe that I'm Scottish nobility. All right. I also have the coat of arms tattooed on my leg. But that's, that's you know, that and five bucks is going to get me the tour to my, my family's castle. So There you go. Make sure to buy something <laughs> in the gift shop. Yeah, yeah most definitely. I definitely will. Well, uh, it's actually one of our, that's actually one of our bucket list things is to go, to go see Scotland, but. Well, you got to go see the you got to go see the castle. Only one person in my my family, to the best of my knowledge, has, and she brought back a coat of arms door knocker, which we have, which is also how I got the tattoo. So, well, there you go. That's <laughs> but yes, cool. if you read any history of Scotland, you will hear about my family. Well, that's cool. Or distant, distant, distant relations. Well, there you go. I think that, I think that's neat. That's fun. Absolutely, that is very. Really really I don't. You're, you're the first person I ever talked to that who had a who has a castle. I maybe some, maybe somebody will will it to you. That would be sweet. They would have to know my name, uh, which I don't believe they do. My daughter, however, when she was four, looks at me and she goes, "Oh my god, I'm a princess." Exactly. Not exactly. Well, kind of. Maybe they'll hear. Mm-hmm. You, well, maybe they'll hear this podcast and they'll say, "Hey, we got to talk to this guy." That would be sweet. Uh, I am available. You can get me on Twitter, Nick underscore n- no underscore C. Yeah, the, the link will be in the description. <laughs> Especially if you like uh, metal and stuff that's completely ridiculous. I, I got you. Well, this podcast is completely ridiculous, as we're proving here. It is, and that's, that's why I love it. There we go. We're 30 minutes into the ridiculousness. I'm, I'm st- Now, what... Oh yeah, top. I was thinking, what the hell did I have you on? There was a reason I had you on too. Oh, it was the top five. Uh, actually, before we get into the top five, I wanted to talk with the top five. Uh, who you feel are the top five toughest river otters of all time? But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you because I was just as you were talking, I'm just kind of scrolling. If anybody can hear the scr- scrolling, that's me on HockeyDB. 
pardon me, on Hockey DB on uh, the Missouri River Otters all-time roster. Um, you you briefly kind of mentioned the uh, the, the lockout uh, in 04, um, with the and of course with the St. Louis Blues ties um, with Barrett Jackman, uh, who was it? Jamal Mayers. Who was the third guy? Jamal Mayers. Another four, actually five. If you want, however you want to look at it, because we uh, the first two that came over in January, Johnson and Je- Ryan Johnson. Who I've got one of his game worn jerseys. That is the last Otters jersey I still have. Is Ryan Johnson's uh, January. Sunday alternate green, which is the ugliest jersey they ever had. I've got that. That's the last one I have. And so Johnson and Jackman signed in January saying, hey, we got nothing else to do. How's it going? Then in March, Salvador and Mayers came up. But we also had a significant portion of that season. Former Blue and former Dallas head coach and now current Blues coach-ish, Jim Montgomery. Yep. Jim Montgomery played forty games for the Otters that year, and we had and we had Dennis Vial. So we had six at four former NHL, former and current NHL players on that roster. Okay. Well, in, well, there you go. Double A. Well, and then so the um, I love Dennis Vial. The uh, of course everybody with the. You with the with the uh, Rockford uh, video, the J- the infamous Jason Ralph video clip on YouTube of him mouthing off Chelios and Hatcher and all of them for the in the Rockford Ice Hogs documentary. Um, of course, Motor City had Hatcher, Avery, and Chelios, and we've heard story. Oh, they didn't make the road trips, and Avery acted like a donkey all the time, and you know whatever they they were just you know helping the local team out. But uh, what was your uh, interact like how did uh, how did Jackman and those guys with Missouri? They made all the trips, didn't they? Okay, let's back up a little bit. It was um, it was Hatcher and Chelios in Motor City. Yes, I think it was just those two. They took all road trips in the state. That was all they would do. Okay, so which completely and so you have you know two veterans out of your seven that. Are motherfucking you on a third of your games, which is shitty as hell. And, you know, Jason Ralph chirping him, that is like the greatest moment in minor league history, in my opinion. That was beautiful. Uh, I love that. The You don't really need to watch the whole rest of the movie because it's really long, but it, 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 it's, it's over long. But that was a great moment. As for the, the Blues River Otters guys, I have, you know, I was gatekeeping, for lack of a better term, at that time, and it pissed me off that all these Blues fans finally showed up halfway, you know, two-thirds into the season because some Blues players were there. But it was great for the team. Ryan Johnson, Barrett Jackman, they all, we always had a River Otters autograph booth, and I'm sure every minor league team has the autograph booth at the end of the day because for some reason that I don't understand that I'm not knocking anybody that does, autographs are the biggest fucking thing in the world. And But the Blues players would take turns in the autograph booth. The Blues players went on every single trip. Uh, Bryce Salvador played on a twisted ankle. Ryan Johnson didn't stop playing no matter what. He gave 178% every day. He couldn't. He still couldn't shoot even at the UHL, but he was still there. You know, it's, looking back, 
I have no complaints about those players doing what they did. I, I get that they took some jobs away, but they went at it hard and they did it. You know, they they did a good service to that team. Well, there you go. It didn't carry over, but it would have been it would have been nice had there been some carryover because we went from in oh four oh five the attendance was twenty eight hundred and in oh five oh six the last season the attendance was only twenty four hundred. And the and rink, there were and the rink would hold how many? Ten. Oh Jesus! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that that rink even exists to me is still. I don't understand how it even happened, to be honest with you. Because, you know, in St. Charles, St. Charles is a great place to put it, but St. Charles is, St. Louis City is very segregated. And I don't mean just racially, although that is a problem, too. You know, you have St. Louis City, who is not a part of St. Louis County. And then you have St. Charles County, who is not a part of St. Louis County. And we all hate each other. So, even though the rink was only one exit down the highway past our amphitheater. Everybody thought it was so far and so terrible to go there. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe how, far, how long it takes to get there. If you live in St. Louis County, it would take you 20 minutes to get there. If you live in St. Louis County, it takes you 30 minutes to get to the, the Scott Trade Center. But it was so far. They even actually had a slogan one year, it's closer than you think. So the fact that we even had this team, and we only had them for, I guess, six seasons, seven seasons? Yep. The fact that they even existed and had success for a time, it's I'm I'm happy that we had that. And what's amazing about this short lived team in a city nobody's heard of, named after an animal that was reintroduced and then overpopulated because their predator was gone. It we had some amazing minor league legends walk through the doors. Yeah. And that's and I'm very thankful that I got to see these guys play. No, absolutely. And uh, I have no idea if I answered your question. I didn't even know what my question was. No, I know I asked you about attendance. Yeah, you did. Uh, mm. um, but the true, the real question is what, what I got you here for is the top five because everybody likes lists. I've noticed in these podcasts, people really enjoy lists. So we're going to do the top five. In Nick's opinion, Missouri River Otter, tough guys. Okay, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to give you five guys. You put them in whatever line you want. Oh, to you're, oh look at this! You're backing out already, copping out. All right, fine. No, no. The, 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 okay, fine. This is top five from five to one. This is the definitive list. There is no recrimination there is no possibility of even coming back at me no there's no unless you want to get with me on twitter unless you want to get with me on twitter and fight about it i'm more than happy again nick underscore no underscore c so it's n-i-k by the way so anyway number five guy number five minor league legend and you know what most of these guys are minor league legends in my mind uh curtis voss yes curtis voss this is a guy that had over 400 penalty minutes twice. He didn't play real long. He played about 10 years. He didn't play that many games most years. And we had him for one season. And that same season, we also had another player, another minor league, or true minor league legend that everybody would agree with. And what's amazing about Curtis Bob, he was on the Tough Guys documentary that I think we have all watched on YouTube too many times. 
Yeah. And we'll keep watching. And he, to me, he is the prototypical minor league guy. You know, he bleached blonde hair, fights because he can't really score. Although in his, his year in St. Louis, he did he did tie his points total. He had 17 points that year in 40 games compared to 17 points in 66 games in Tulsa. Yeah. But, you know, he was out there. He knew what he was, and he did it. And he played, he only played two more years after us. Actually, that was his last year for, wow, for three seasons. Yep. But, yeah, he, uh, you know, he uh, yeah, a Saskatchewan boy from Riverhurst. Good old Sass boy. Curtis, I'm trying to get you on the show. You need to come on this show. He's ducking my phone call. You know, I I would love, you know, and, and I, you know, you've mentioned this on the, on the podcast before, and I've mentioned this to you on Twitter. The Missouri River Otters is, you know, something very near and dear to my heart, and I want you to get as many UHL people and as many former Otters. I want to hear what they thought about it because, yes. In St. Louis, is like I said before, St. Louis is a major league town. And they're just, after the first couple of seasons, they didn't even cover them in the newspaper, much less, you know, the news reports or highlights or anything like that. And I want to hear the stories from these people, and I would love to hear Curtis's stories about about living in St. Charles. No, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, no, hopefully I can get him to come on. I've been... Uh, I've been. Uh, it was funny, but my his uh, uh, his wife and me are kind of ganging up on him to come on the show because I he finally he wasn't replying to me on Twitter, so I just went right around and just uh, I got a hold of his wife on Twitter, and I'm like, hey, I'm trying to get your husband to come <laughs> on my show. Oh, he needs to come on your show. I'll get on him. Yeah. So she was giving him shit. He did reply to me though after that too. So and he is married that, to the same that, to the same girl that he uh, same gal that he was in the movie. So uh, yeah. You know what? It's in a world where divorce is all too common, I've been divorced myself. That's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard because he put her through the ringer. And any any minor league hockey wife that could live through that, good lord, you're oh, way you're way strong, way stronger than I am. Oh, just the constant. Oh, they travel and the oh yeah, and they they had the kid at the time and. Oh, and another one coming, and or yeah, actually, it's funny now because it's well. That's one of the reasons I really want to get him on the show. Is is to obviously you know talk about his career and everything, but the documentary as well because it's funny seeing his kids in that documentary. Like his son was just born, and his daughter's really like maybe three, like really tiny. Well, you look on his Twitter now, like they're both in college. His son's like got a baseball scholarship to, like, Alabama or something. Like, his son's a really good bat catcher. Like, an unbelievable athlete. And it's Brant, I believe his name is. Brant or Braden? Brant. Brant Voth. And uh, and his daughter's, like, a cheerleader. And, and like, oh, yeah. And so it's you just, you watch the, t- like you said, we've all watched that Tough Guys documentary a million times. And, uh, and, and, and his wife has, like, not aged at all. Like, oh, man. So it's like, you know, and it's like, uh, he has cut his hair, though. But uh, other than that, he looks he's, he looks pretty good for his age, too. So it's like, uh, yeah, I got to get him on because I really, because that, especially that documentary at the time was really cutting edge. Because, I mean, it sounds so cliche now, but, I mean, at the time, no one had done, like, really followed people around and, like, mic'd them up or anything like that. I mean, everything we just take for granted now. But, I mean, back then, no, that was that was new shit. Especially to do, it'd be one thing if it was that, oh, we gotta, we're going to follow the L.A. Kings, you know, okay, whatever. But a minor league team, like a central league team, and talk about fighting, like that was like, uh, 
Like, they didn't follow the goal scorers or the goalie around or anything. It was the enforcers, which made it even rarer, right? So it was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, how many how many minor league documentaries have there been about enforcers? I know two. No, not, yeah, just those two. Yeah, the Chiefs movie and then the Tough Guys documentary. Yeah. Which I watched again last night because I miss the old, I miss old things. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, because he was on that, and just because he's a minor league legend, he is, he's a bit of an enigma. The fact that he had all the consternation with his coaches while on that and seeing what it was like when, you know, I, I always try to explain to people who didn't watch minor league hockey about it's cold, it's vicious, and you really have got to be serious. And you saw how cold and vicious oh, yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, no, and that's what made the movie so good. Um, like, I mean, you exactly. feel bad for the guys, but it's just like, yeah, but you saw the, yeah, if, if you were, if you were just some, uh, a casual fan or you didn't, if you're not quite sure, well, that gave it to you in blunt terms and you saw it and it's like, Jesus, you know, and it's like, yeah, no, players truly are product and they have a shelf life and, yeah. And then they and the, the owners don't give a shit. And it's like, yeah, what have you done well, for me it's lately? Not just that, it's not just that they're a product, but they're a product that of surplus. Oh, you piss us off? That's fine. Go pump gas. Yep, we'll get the next guy. Because you know what? For every for every ten twenty goal scorers, there's another ten right behind them. Yep. For every fifty guys that'll get throw up thirty three hundred penalty minutes, there's. At the time, anyway, there's another 30 guys right behind them willing to do the same thing. And when you get into that and see, you know, even when you see the humanity of those movies, it's very oh, powerful. I mean, yeah, well, and, that's, and, like, and like you said, when it's a tough guy, it's like back then those guys were just, yeah, one false move or you piss the coach off or take a couple bad penalties or cause a little ruckus in the room. You were fucking down. You're on the Greyhound. They'll just replace you. They didn't get another kid to do it, you know, for... Oh, yeah. You know. It wasn't even just them. It's, you know, when you go back to to double-A hockey back in the day, you know, you were two bad shifts from pumping gas. Yep. And you, But you were also two great shifts away from going to the A, or the I at the time, which is what... what the drama of that is what made minor league hockey great to me. It's And that's gone. That's That's gone. Anywho, moving on. Uh, so number, number four. Yep. Another minor league legend, Marty Melnichuk. The meat grinder. Love it. You know, he, he played two seasons for the Otters. Uh, 02, 01-02, 02-03, his last two seasons in pro hockey. And in 50 games, he put up nearly 300 penalty minutes. Yep. That's insane. He played 26 and got 115, two points. In the next year, he played 24 games, 5 points, and 169 penalty minutes. So he was more effective. Well, he more must have got some power play time. 5 points, Marty. Oh. You know? <laughs> now that's, uh, you know what? When he played in the WPHL back in 99, 2000, he had 17 points. Yep. Yeah, well, you know what's, ne- you know what's funny is, um, <clears throat> who was I talking I was talking to a player. I was talking to somebody that knows him. I can't remember. I can't off the top of my head right now. I can't remember. I think it's Dean Mayrad, actually. I think. But um, 
we were just talking, and I was kind of like trying to, oh yeah, you know, if I could get some, it's kind of been hard to get player guests and stuff, and I they casually throw out, uh, well, I don't know, would you want Melnichuk on the Europe podcast? I'm like, what are you insane? Of course I'd want him on my pod. Why would you even ask me that? I'm like, yes, of course I'd want him. Oh, I have his number here. I'll get a hold of him. I'll see. I'll let you know. I'm like, okay, that'd be oh, right on. Here we go. That'd be awesome. He gets back to me, he's like, well, I talked to Marty, and he was kind of like, he doesn't think he'll have it, he has enough stories. Oh my god. I'm like, what? Like, what are you, what are you, what's he talking about? Or he doesn't know if he'll be able to, if he has enough, like, or something like, or he wouldn't know if he has enough stories to make it worth your while. I'm like, that's the, ex- like, why did not just say no at that point. I'm like, no, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll get the stories out of him, are you kidding me? I can guarantee Marty the meat grinder Melmachuk could talk all night, and I would listen. Yeah. Look, he is the only person on this list that has a nickname to begin with. Yeah. If you have a nickname in minor league hockey, you've got at least eight stories. So look, have a couple beers. Tell me about him. Yeah. If, I, if Marty is listening by any possible chance, my God, I want to hear them. Yeah, well, and let alone your nickname's the Meat Grinder, for God's sake. I mean, yeah. How'd you get that? That How'd you get that? There's 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. You know, I just laughed. Well, he doesn't know if he has enough stories to make it worth your while. What? Like, I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, so, I work. Folks, if you're li- you listed, I'm working on it. Trust me. And if anybody in the sound of my voice knows Marty, he's in Edmonton. He lives in Edmonton. Get a hold of him and tell him he needs to come on here. Stop being ridiculous. Didn't he run? Didn't he run for office as vote for the meat grinder? City council. That's what I'm told. That is awesome. And he had like campaign signs. I'm looking into that. That was the story. Somebody sent me a picture of one of the camp, like a lawn sign, that said "Vote Meat Grinder." And I'm like, I don't know, but he runs a really successful nightclub in Edmonton. So I don't know if it was a nightclub thing or if it was a city council thing now. I was initially told city council. I really want it to be city council because that's just funny. And, uh, yeah, well, this is why we need to get him on the show. If anybody can get me a sign that says vote meat grinder, my God, I want that. Yeah, well, I said if I had known that was going on, I have friends that live in Edmonton. I would have been like, okay, steal me a bunch of lawn signs because... Yeah, I totally want those. Look, I will donate to a campaign that says vote meat grinder if I get a sign. Exactly. Yeah, I voted. There's a I vote sticker that I want. Yeah, <laughs> vote, meat, vote meat grinder. Seeing as it's where we're a political show today. Uh, yeah, as topical as it is. It, here, Here is what I, one of the things I love about the meat grinder, apart from... The fact that he would just drop the gloves with apparently any meathead that came along. You know, he plays in the AJHL. Tell me, what is that? I don't even know what that is. The Alberta Junior Hockey League, the Junior A League. Okay. Junior A. So, Junior A, that would be like our Junior A plus here. So, he plays. It'd be like the USHL. Yeah, yeah. So, he plays two seasons in the AJHL, according to Hockey DB. And then you know, he plays for two teams, Sports Saskatchewan. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is really, really north. Is that, is that true? And and in Alberta, uh, which is weird. Fort Saskatchewan is in oh, Alberta. Oh, it's in Alberta? Fort Saskatchewan okay, is in Alberta. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Look, I know about 40 Canadian cities. That is not one of them. No, um, I don't know that city. Yes. I don't think anybody knows that city. Anyway, no. and then he plays for the St. Albert Saints. So he plays for 
a you know low tier junior league in pretty strange obscure places even in Canada. Then what does he do? He turns pro, not ninety five ninety six when he was done, but ninety six ninety seven. Yep. Thought and about he thought about he it for a year. Yeah. Yeah, he thought about it. Then he plays in Wichita, in Huntington, in Arkansas. Gets one game, one game in triple in triple A hockey in the eye for Kansas City. And then back to Arkansas, then Louisiana, San Antonio, Adirondack, New York, and then St. Charles, Missouri. You know, here's a guy who plays for eight, nine seasons over the course of several backwater cities and just goes. That to me, that's minor league hockey. Well, I was going to say not, cl- clearly, Marty had enough of the snow in Alberta for a while, and he wanted to get out of. He didn't want to plug his car in anymore. He was tired of scraping windows in the winter, so it's like I'm going to head to Huntington or Arkansas or Fayetteville, yeah. San Antonio. I don't blame. Him. Although he he did start he did start in Kansas, which is pretty snowy. <laughs> yeah, and then he then he went south, but he plays in all these wacky cities, which I think is great. And you know, and the whole time he's there, he's slugging it out with anybody that comes along, you know. And that's to me, that is quintessentially minor league hockey. Yep. No, absolutely. Now we are moving on to number three. Yes. And I've always now let me preface this by saying I always said that Sean Horkoff was the worst name in hockey. No, this is the worst name any hockey player has ever had. Got any ideas? Well, I'm thinking, well, it's a tough guy, obviously, so, uh... Tough guy that would be on your list? No, I don't know. Quentin Van Horlick. Ah, there you go, yes. That's the only name worse than Horkoff. Van Horlick? (laughs) Yes, Horlick, yes. Sorry, I went beautiful and butthead there. I apologize to... I hear you. I hear you. Van Horlick. <laughs> now, here's a guy, and he played for the Otters in 0405, and 0405 and 0506 under the Kaminsky regime was violent. And that is the, the only way to describe it. He It was a violent time because you, that, you know, the coach takes on, the, the, the team takes on the coach. And in. So four oh five, he played fifty nine games. He had five points and two hundred thirty two penalty minutes. Yep. I wouldn't say he was the strongest player I have ever seen, but he always went whenever the bell rang. He was there. He was ready to go. Yep. And it, it seemed like he fought basically every game I went to. <laughs> he wasn't a big guy. He was five ten. He was my size. Actually, he weighs less than I do now. And, you know, this is a guy putting up 200 penalty minutes consistently in pro hockey. Yeah. And just like... Van Horlux were tough dudes, right? man. His brother Matt was tough, too. And, yep. Well, I wish I had seen more of them. But, you know, another guy. What, okay, what is the RMJHL? Rocky Mountain Junior League. Yeah. Not Royal, not the Royal, not the Royal Mounties. No, it wasn't the Mountie. No, yeah, like you'll see the BC League, uh, Langley there, BCHL. Uh, that's mm-hmm. it's like the BCHL, the AJHL, the SJHL, like the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. That's mm-hmm. like the top notch Junior A League in Canada. Uh, those are the top top, like that's where guys get college scholarships and stuff out of those leagues. Right, right. And 
whereas the that Rocky Mountain Junior League was kind of a mm-hmm. kind of a tier two ish outlaw kind of BC league. Yeah, like that that was in BC, uh, uh, the Rocky Mountain League, and it was sort of uh, it was sort of like the BC league was one A and the Rocky Mountain was kind of one B. Yeah. Okay, so that'd be like the USHL compared to the NAHL. Yes. In the USHL is tier one junior A, and the NHL is tier two junior A. Yes. I, Which I don't think you should be having tier one and tier two, but that you know whatever. If it makes parents feel better, for, you know, paying all that money, I'm, I'm for it. So okay, so I'm guessing the Rocky Mountain Junior Hockey League was a little rougher. Well, I mean, well, it, back in the '90s, at that time period, it, it was all rough. The BC League, the Rocky Mountain League, the SJ, the AJ. It was because uh, not only did you have the tough, tough dudes in that league, but like the guys that are playing major junior when you become twenty year olds, like these teams can only keep like in the in the Western League or OHL or Quebec League, you can only have like uh, two or three twenty year olds on your team. So if you were a okay, tough, I didn't know that. Well, so I mean, obviously they were going to keep the skilled guy, right? They weren't going to keep a twenty-year-old, right. oh, a twenty-year-old tough guy. So they'd get sent back to junior A, and it was like, oh yeah, so you. It was called jungle A for a reason, you know. And then, the, okay. and the, oh, and there'd be some teams that would like stack up on twenty-year-old tough guys, and it was just be like a war. And you know, like in Saskatchewan here, I mean, you had like the flim flom bombers and stuff. They'd load up, and oh yeah, so a beast. But back in the nineties, eighties and nineties, Junior A was insanity. So, but yeah, so the Rocky Mountain League and BC, and oh yeah. Well, I've never seen USHL Junior A. We had a team here for one season, owned by Ken Wilson, but they, I didn't. One, I didn't even know they existed. And two, they were way out there. I wasn't going to go. But I've seen a lot of NHL games, and I feel like more skilled players go to the U, the USHL, and back in, well, back in the day anyway, and the rougher players went to the NHL. But, so yeah, it's, okay. But here, you know, he's another guy. He's played everywhere. He's yeah. played in the Western Pro, the CHL, the ECHL, the UHL, ACHL. What the hell is that? Oh, I don't even know what that is. Oh, it was like the Atlantic Coast Hockey League. It was around for like one year. Yeah, is that what? Okay. It, wasn't that what it was called? Uh, Jackson. Was that the WHA two? They... Yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember. O two o three. Yeah, six teams. Yeah, yeah, the Atlantic Coast Hockey League. Yeah, it. Uh, I want to say Steve McIntyre played in that team. Okay. Yeah, I've never even heard of that league. And then he finishes off in the, the LNAH. The thing about him. I want to say he was the guy that left the Otters to go to the LNAH. Or am I thinking? Of, no, I'm thinking of Georgie Cantrell. Sorry, I'm thinking of somebody else. You know, we had a bunch, we had a lot of guys from yep. these years that at least dipped their toes into the LNAH. Uh, Cantrell went there. Yep, played in the Left the Otters. Left the Otters. Signed with Flint, and then walked out on Flint to go to the LNAH, and then his first ship got his got his jaw broken. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, yeah, Sylvan Blue and suckered him. Yep. So, yeah, he found out what it was like up there real fast. Because, you know, as has been discussed over and over, so I'm not talking out of school, as one would say, there was a lot of the, lot of the juice up there. And I don't think the guys down in the U were on the juice so much. I just think they were tough guys. Or, 
or they weren't on it to the level they were up north. No, yeah, no, no, it wasn't even close. Yeah, like you said, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the tougher guys in the United League, yeah, I mean, whatever, we won't say names, but I mean, oh, yeah, but I mean, but they also had to get on a bus and travel and road trips and back-to-back nights and blah, blah, blah. The Quebec League, you're playing twice a week. You're in your own bed every night. I mean, so all these guys did was basically work out and, and take whatever you needed to take right so yeah it was completely different animal for sure well and i'm you know considering what we know about the owners of the lnh and all that kind of good stuff back in the glory days i'm sure they supplied it Uh, i don't think anybody i don't think anybody was budgeting their methyl test or their decatur bowling up there oh no i mean oh everyone had connections and yeah yeah there was no problem if you if someone you know, wanted to do whatever you wanted to do, there wasn't a problem. Well, that's the you know that's the fun thing about minor league hockey is all of the dirtiness underneath, just underneath the tablecloth. Oh, a friend of the, mine was oh the the carny of, of, was, uh, the carny of it all. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. A friend of mine was a uh, a cashier at one of the casinos in Quad City, and from time to time she was tasked with giving money to players. There you go. That's a good under-the-table. That's an under good under-the-table. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you go to the casino? Yeah, somebody left something for me? Here you go. Here's $2,000. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know who you are. Even though I got a season ticket, I have no idea. Yeah. Won't say any names because I don't know who it was. Well, I mean, that's how you can get around the league, right? Like one of the, he, oh, won, yeah. he won it on the blackjack table. Nothing illegal about oh, that. Yeah. You know, oh, tremendous! Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I have, I have, I have no problems with the owners breaking rules like that. <laughs> hey, anything for you the know boys. what? You Get- say that, but I was also uh, rooting against the team that did that. So, oh, hey, if, if you can do it, I would do it. You know. Look, I'm all about just, hey, as long as the boys get the money, I don't care, you know. Hey, if the Otters had done it, I would have been fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Did you, damn it, but, you know, where's our casino handed out free I, money? Yeah, I mean, or if I was getting free money at the casino, I'd be fine with that, too. So, anybody at the casino, call me. Um, I don't know why, but. Hey, if you, as speaking, but, just completely off topic, yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but um, all your years at the River Otters, did, um, did they all, with the whole theme jerseys and stuff, like, oh, we mm-hmm. have Halloween jerseys, we have St. Patrick's jerseys. Oh, yeah. Were they oh. always doing that, or is that sort of a new phenomenon? No, the, the Otters did that every season. I bought an 0405 one that I regretted so hard, so hard and so long. That thing was fuck ugly. Uh, well, they're all ugly. I mean, a, you know. No, no. There was one I had. I had a read low game issue Valentine's Day Otters jersey from 0506. It's, it, lo- it looked like a Wisconsin jersey. Okay. That was that's all. It just it just said otters down you know diagonally. That was it. The, I also had an O four oh five Valentine's Day jersey, Glenn de Tulio, which the stripe was giant pink hearts. There you go. It was so fugly I could only wear it to games. Did you see <sighs> did you see the so, picture yeah. of that uh that cow patties jersey when Jay was on my show talking about it? Yeah, I saw that. I, but I've also seen Madison Monsters jerseys, so yes, there's nothing uglier than those. Oh no, I I always just love 
like that's the thing. I, it's funny because it's like kind of this, like, kind of I have this two two different takes on it. When the NHL goes carny, it drives me insane. I fucking hate it. And I just start Bush League and fuck, I hate it. But the more Carney and Bush a minor league team gets, the the more I like it. Because I'm completely okay. down with a minor league team doing whatever they have to do to make money. If it's 50 oh, cent totally draft right. and cow patty jerseys, I am down. You know. The the here here's my favorite things from uh, Otter's Carney days. Frankly, they didn't get Carney enough. I'll be honest. In 0506, when the attendance was down. Because Wednesdays, Wednesdays at the River Otters was, oh, my God. Um, I think the room I'm sitting in right now is more well-attended than those games. Yeah. Wednesday nights, for some reason. You couldn't get anybody out there. So they had five-minute major 50-cent drafts. And we had George Cantrell, Brad McMillan, Frank Littlejohn, and, uh, God, who else? I can't. You know, we had eight guys that were ready to go at all given at any given time. So as soon as a fight would happen, and it was only at one stand, and that stand was on the other side of the rink from us. So as soon as that, as soon as a, as soon as gloves would drop, one of us would go, "Who's in? Who's in? Who's in? Who's in? Who's in? Who's in?" And two people would run and come back, just loaded up with these ten ounce beers. Love it. That's then. I want to say it was oh four oh five. And this is this is a tribute to Bryce Salvador on this one. A little girl was bidding on his jersey, and when she won it, he said, "I'm paying for it." Oh, there you go. So it's, that's that was pretty sweet. I mean, Glenn Petulio did not pay for mine that year. Uh, Glenn, if you're listening, fuck you, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't even uh, buy. I it. don't think Glenn Petulio. I don't think he had quite as much money as Bryce, uh, uh, Bryce Salvador did at that point in time. Yeah, so. pr- probably not. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think Bryce is working any part time gigs now or anything. He'll be all right. But uh, yeah, I think he's fine. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's awesome. Five five minute fifty cent draft, five minute majors. Yeah. Oh yeah, minor league teams back in the day of them guaranteed fight night and shit. No, I love that card oh, yeah. and shit. Like I said, my only. Oh, and no, when we ahead. first heard about the five minute major fifty cent draft, we're like, ah, crap! How often are we gonna get a five minute slashing? Then we found out it counted for fights too. Yeah. And that, according to HockeyDB or HockeyFights.com, because I checked it today, I can't say for certain, but in 0506, Hockey Fights listed 81 fights. And I know that's not all of them. It was, I mean, it was fighty. It was like, they probably had 150 that year. Oh, probably. Yeah, with that crew? At yeah. least. Cause, yeah. Well, and, and they were the last place team in the league and angry and, and you know, and just a violent group to begin with. So, I mean, it was, you know, two or three fights a night seems about right. I, th- I can't, I, I, I'm sure I asked you this before, but I forgot what you said, but, uh, did they, did they televise any of those games? None. Hmm. Nothing. It's, no, now, in fairness, you know, we never televised the minor league baseball games, the arena football league. Well, one of the arena football teams was televised on a shitty channel at two in the morning three weeks after they play but you know in St. Louis is a major league town our yeah. our soccer team that just folded because their their season ended the ownership group is part of the MLS though so they never televised any of their games either I had to get that on ESPN3 
Well, that would explain, like, in all my footage and all my fight footage and everything else, there is just, like, no Missouri River Otter shit. Like, no one's got anything, you know, which sucks, because, of course, as we go through the guys, like, you know, there's no, like, Voth footage or Melnichuk or anything. It's a, there is on, there is some on YouTube. There's a little. There's uh, You can actually see me in one of the videos. There's a video of 0506 versus the Muskegon Fury that I came oh, across. Yeah, I should, I take that back. Muskegon, there's lots of footage of, because I have all that footage from Muskegon. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, shit when they're on the road. Fort Wayne, there's some stuff too, but actual, I should I should have said, in Missouri. No, this is, this is, in, St. This is in St. Charles. Yeah, yeah, because somebody, like, there was a guy in Muskegon that used to get all the game tapes. Oh, yeah, probably, you know, recording it off B2 back when, what was it, I think it was like $5 a game. <laughs> oh, back then, oh yeah, that, but the guy in Muskegon actually used to get the game tapes from the Fury team, so, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's why there's all that footage out there, but, uh, yeah, oh yeah, I mean, what's internet TV and all that, but, uh, yeah, like 90s yeah. Missouri shit. There is, there is one for Veterans Day. Veterans Day game that same year when the Otters were wearing Statue of Liberty jerseys versus, uh, and I was at that game too, versus Rockford, where Jason Ralph and I think Frank Littlejohn had got into a nice little scrap. Man, Frank, uh, how good was Frank Littlejohn? Like, man. Speaking of Frank Littlejohn, guess who's number two? There we go. Frank yeah. Littlejohn. Yeah. You know, he, to me, he is, and I said this earlier, but he is quintessentially minor league hockey. Yep. You know, he plays in two different uh, two different junior leagues, the METJHL. Help me out on that one. Uh, Metro Junior Hockey. It's Ontario. Those are all Ontario leagues. Yeah. Okay, and then OPGHL, which is uh, Ontario Province Junior Hockey League. Uh, yep. Yeah. And he plays in Arkansas, in Wheeling, in John. He plays for the Johnstown Chiefs for a game. In Charlotte, Huntington, out of Rondack, gets a five-game cup of coffee with Rochester. Out of Rondack, one game in Springfield, four games in Albany, four games in Cleveland. Back to out of Rondack, plays two, a season and a half in St. Louis. I guess actually none. I guess a full season over the two years. And then those, you know, in, he plays 78 games, scores 36 goals, 21 assists, and... 255 penalty minutes. Yep. You know, he was the absolute throwback of throwbacks. He was good. You know, every end of the ice you needed him, he was ready to go. You know, if he were a little bit bigger, he would have been in the NHL. You know, he was listed at 5'11", probably not. And but he he was good at that level. And I think with a little, if he were a little bit bigger... You know, but the the thing is, is here we are. That's not where his story ends. He goes to QC, Elmira, San Antonio, back to Elmira, Muskegon, Flint, Louisiana, a thousand islands, privateers in the FHL. He even played four games in the Chill. Apparently, that happened after I checked out. Brampton, Wichita, Port Huron, and Elmira. Yeah. Before finally calling it a day last year. That's insane. Yep. Oh, I know. And I was always really surprised, um, and I would love to ask him. Just, I, I was always surprised he never ended up in the Quebec League. I was surprised he didn't go to the LNAH because he would have made a lot of money there. They would have paid him a lot of money. But uh, 
Yeah. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. And admittedly, you know, 90% of what I know about BLNH is from the Chiefs. Don't they have the, the roles very, very separate? Oh, in terms of if you fight, you fight. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. No, because there was some guys. There was guys that you score. Yeah, yeah. But there were some guys that did both, like you know Jesse Rosanzoff and Conrad McKay, and you know. So there was definitely some guys there that would do both. He would probably be. They would probably want him to probably. He would have definitely had to fight more there than he would have, you know, in Missouri or in Louisiana or wherever. I mean, obviously, but. you know, and <laughs> and I mean, it's not, I mean, certainly that league wasn't for everybody, obviously. But uh, I know, I guarantee he would have got offers every year for sure. He would have. So, I'm sure he did. Oh, guarantee he did. And it was just, but it'd be interesting. They at the same time, a certain team they would hold your rights. So every once in a while, which was too, in some ways, I can understand why they did that. But at the same time, that also prevented. I shouldn't say a lot of guys. But some guys from going there because it's like because if they go there they have to play for that team that drafted their rights, and if it was like Tetford or one of those teams that were like way up north and like real real French Quebec, it's like I'm not going there. But if like Quebec yeah. City or Laval, you know teams that were close to Montreal, if they had your yeah, rights, friend of mine was a friend of mine was a season ticket holder in Montreal and went to Laval games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, because it's right there. So, yeah, so if guys, they'd live in Montreal, the same with Quebec, right? Yeah, Quebec, they live in Quebec City. Well, yeah, that's the, that's where they'd want to be, right? Especially if you're an English guy. Uh, right. Granted, it was still really French, but you could there was English pockets and whatever. And and Ottawa's right, like Ontario's right there and stuff. So it's like, I used to do a lot of, I used to do business in Quebec, and, oh, you, know. Prim- yeah. you know, 90% of it would be Montreal, and everybody spoke a little English up there. Yeah. So if you were if you were close there, I get that. But I mean, if you're I mean, if you're out there in the middle of nowhere, Quebec, yeah, I, I, and that's probably something that he would get offers for, you know. Well, it would depend. Know, and I, it, I, yeah, I, it just depended who had your rights. Like I can't. Oh, I'm trying to. There was a guy that was on my. God oh, damn it! Who was on my show? He was on my show, and I had talked to him. I think, I, but it might have been off air that I asked him about going to Quebec. And he said, "Oh, I would have went, but it was like Tetford had my rights, and I didn't want to go to Tetford." So it was just like, no. And I kept telling them, like, here, I'll come to that league, but you're trading me. Like, just trade me. And they're like, well, no, we want you. He's like, okay, I'm, well, it's, I'm not coming to the league. Or I will come to the league, but not play for you. So at least get something for me. Trade me. And you can get something for me. And they wouldn't do it. So he just never went to the league. But it was, uh, damn, who was it? But anyway, yeah, it would be interesting. But I know, um, well, I'll let the cat out of the bag. And I, oh, and Alec. If you're listening, everybody, uh, of course, Alec, uh, I'm not talking out of school because he announced it on Twitter today. He has COVID, and that's why he is, uh, hopefully he's going to bounce back here. I've been talking to him. He's had it for about four or five days now, and uh, hopefully he'll, he's getting better. He's just feeling pretty beat up, a little sore. But uh, So if anybody's worse his podcast, well, that's why that's not happening. But uh, not only, you know, get better, Alec, but uh, he, I'm... I'm going to spoil it, but I think he has Little John coming on his show here right away. So it'll be. Wow. Yeah. So it'll be. Uh, uh, I know, and I know it's Alec, a, being a big LNH guy, will definitely ask him that. So 
Yes. Not that I'm now. I'm not a hockey fight podcaster by any stretch of the imagination. But if I were, man, I would want to do like four hours with this guy. Yes. Yeah. Because there's just, you know, the the minor leagues, and I mean, I know we all wax nostalgic and wax poetic about them. There's so many different flavors. There were so many different flavors in so many different cities, and I would want to hear not just about what he remembers from the teams, but what he remembered of living in those places. But, I yeah. mean, this is a guy, he, yeah. you know, in 02-03, he scores 30 goals and 306 penalty minutes. Yeah. In 06 42 goals, 200 penalty minutes. Also minus 22. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. that that's that's an amazing, an amazing. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, and, I, and it's funny doing this podcast. Like I've had people mention to me before, like, "Oh, I, I wish you'd interview more NHL guys," or you know, and it's like, and I don't have anything against the NHL guys. I mean, yeah, okay, whatever. But I seriously, I literally, I so much more prefer talking to minor league guys. And to and one for me, Western Hockey like junior guys, Western Hockey League guys, because that's what I grew up with. So I love hearing the stories of like the '90s Western Hockey League guys because that was right in my wheelhouse. Or the minor league. See, I like hearing about the minor league stuff because I wasn't. See, like you have Missouri and Fort Wayne, and that was your deal. You could go to these towns. I was never around minor league hockey, so I just have to live either through my fight DVDs or through the stories. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so in Canada, minor league hockey is almost non-existent. Pretty much, yeah. You know, and around here, we don't have any. Like I've been to, I've been to a couple Manitoba Moose games back in the day when they were in the IHL because I saw Anglestad yeah. play. That was the reason I went. And then uh, I was in Vegas. I saw a couple Wrangler games in February when we used to go down, and uh, and I had loved every, all of it. And I and that's why I especially the Vegas one especially because it was so. Now, Vegas was extra carny, you know, as carny as minor league is, uh, add the Vegas flavor to it, and it's like we're right under the, and it was awesome. Oh, I don't, I, I don't doubt that at all. And for me, what I love about your show is that you do talk to the minor league guys, and we get to hear these stories. You know, the UK stories, like, man, okay, that's one thing. But I love hearing the stuff from the Western Pro, from the WCHL, you know, the stuff that I've just never been around. That's what I love. I, yeah. I love hearing that stuff. Oh, yeah, because exactly. Minor league hockey is, yeah. you know, we all know the name Mel Engelstad. I've never seen him play. Yeah. I've probably seen a video of him here and there. Link Gates, my God, we all know that name, but I never saw him play. Yeah. So to be able to get those stories, that, to me, that's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing, right? And it's, and it's kind of, yeah, like you say, it's got this, like, real, uh, yeah, just this minor league kind of, I don't know, it's almost like these guys are like, uh, you know, Bigfoot, you know, it's like you hear the you hear oh, yeah. the, the legends of them, and it's like, oh, and you hear stories about like, yo, know, yeah, Link Link going or Mel going crazy in Thunder Bay, or Link going nuts somewhere, and it's just like, so yeah, so when you get these minor league guys on to talk about the stories, it's like, oh yeah, you just hear the stories of the bus or the crazy shit that went down, and oh yeah, like like the LMH especially, I mean that that's a whole other segment right there. I want somebody to really blow the lid off that you know if you need to get somebody on like the journey or by lois or whomever you can get give them a voice modulator <laughs> don't say their name so we can hear what really happened there because i want to know that well 
Bajerni's being worked on. I just have to set up a time with Bajerni. I have. I'm saying get a second. Do do a second one where he's Mister X. Yeah. Well, he said he's going to come on and tell some story. And if it, I can tell people if the stories were half as good as the half an hour I had on the phone with him initially setting the interview up, because uh, we talk about because his brother was the one that made the documentary. But journey, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, we talk about that, and uh, he told me a few other stories about living in the rink, and. Uh, and the shit that went on. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get that. But, oh, yeah, like, if you get a guy that just, like, literally just did not care and and told it all. Like, I always tell these guys, like, I have a friend of mine that coached in that league and played a little bit in that league. I mean, and that's, like, and the story, oh, the stories are, and he was there for four years. It, and I'm like, you got to write a book. Thing, the thing about that league is, you know, we all know what the A, the I, the U, the E, you know, we all know what these things are and what happened there. The LNAH, I mean, all we ever heard was just this crazy league in French Canada. Yep. And, you know, little things would leak out. We'd see this and we'd see that. And I remember in the, the old HockeyFights.com days, there wasn't even a damn English website for the thing. Not even an English fan website. So all we could do was, like, look at the stuff in French and read Google Translate they talked about the barrels going to war with the red lines. It made no fucking sense. Yep. Google Translate's much better now. It and is. Yep. So to hear what somebody would say about that, I mean, really, because, you know, we've heard there were bonuses for fights and paying under the table and owned by the mob. Probably all true. I accept those things as most likely true. Oh, they are. Yeah. I, would, <laughs> I would love to hear somebody talk about, like, you know, the Chiefs is a great movie, except for the boxing parts. I wish they would have left that out. But, and you really see what life was like for them. But only, I think I like this half of the story. Oh, yeah, that's just the script. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's... Uh, if yeah. even half. Yeah, so hopefully with Bajerni, we'll, uh, you know, get a few more. And, and he's got some interesting behind-the-scenes stories of that documentary. Uh, okay, I'm going to be I'm gonna be really inelegant. Is Bob Berger dead? I don't know. I don't know. Because when if he's not dead, it might be scary to give those stories out. But if he were dead, it'd probably be fine. Yeah. I don't By know. the way, I live in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nick, <laughs> and Nick's not my real name. Uh, <laughs> no. It's uh, yeah. I don't. I, I would. He's got to be. I would think. Because even in that movie, he's got to be in his least as late sixties. Sixties. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that was 20 years ago, so I mean, that puts him in 80s. Yeah, no, I would think so. If not, he's... He didn't seem like the healthiest sort. N- no, I mean, you know, I'm not, now again, I'm not not wishing death on Mr. Berger who was li- or anything, but I mean, I would doubt that he's still alive. I'd be surprised. Well, I mean, case in point, Al McIsaac is dead. Yeah. So, Al McIsaac was probably younger than Bob Berger at that point. Yeah. So... But Eddie Levesque in that movie is legendary to me. Oh, Tim Levesque. I would love to. Tim Levesque. Sorry, yeah. Eddie Levesque, that's the goalie in Cheers. The Cheers, yeah. I was going to say, where did you get that name from? Yeah, Cheers. Yeah. Uh, oh, Tim Levesque. I oh, started re-watching Cheers. Tim Levesque. Oh. Yes, Tim Levesque. I apologize. Oh, Tim yes. Levesque in that movie is, that is one of the greatest things. And I mean... He he is an interesting guy, and I want to hear all his stories too. Absolutely, yeah. I know Bajerni's friends with him, so uh, yeah. Well, uh, his name will be coming up. But uh, where? What was that? Where are we here? I'm getting off. That was track. number. 
Two. What? Yeah. That was, yeah, that was two. Number one, and he here is somebody interesting. Uh, I've got a story about this guy that thankfully was not mine. Uh, Brad McMillan. There you go. Uh, Brad McMillan played two seasons for the Otters, totaling 60 games, 62 games, and he got in about 300 penalty minutes in those 62 games. The first season he was there, he had a dislocated shoulder for most of it. And this guy uh, also spent a brief amount of time in the LNAH, didn't uh, didn't stick. But Yeah, he, you know, I, didn't, he, I didn't realize that he was there. That's right. Huh. He played for uh, Spoir Rivera. I can't say that word in French. I was just, I was just Sorry, I speak, three I speak rivers. Spanish and Japanese. We don't learn French here. Uh, well, I, they tried to teach me French, but I just say three rivers. That, that would get me a, I'm sure that would get me a chair over the head in Quebec if I ever said three rivers. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah, he played five games up there. That was all he did that year, so he must have gotten hurt. And then he came back with Fort Wayne the next two seasons, over 230 penalty minutes both those games. He, uh, a friend of mine, was uh, worked for the Otters, and they were having they were having a, a beer after a game because in the for the the Otters rink has a club in it because you know all rinks built in the nineties and later have a have a club absolutely and the there would always be Otters be up there after the game so you know in order to get us to buy more beer when the game is over and there he's having a beer with McMillan and he goes how much do uh, how much do you make McMillan's like oh I make about five hundred bucks a week and he goes oh what do the good players make. Oh. oh yeah, McMillan. Mc, thankfully, it was an Otters team function because McMillan's next statement was about "You're lucky I don't punch you across the face right now." Your bro- and your- that is not a guy you would want to get punched by. Oh, as you say, your buddy have a death wish or what? Like, or uh, he was just looking to get in one to say he got into one with McMillan. No, I would argue that he wasn't thinking and. St. Louis, we, you know, we talked about, you know, the, the, you know, the product, that kind of, we really view these people as products. Yep. And I don't think he really thought about what he was saying because Brad McMillan, I, I think goal scorer is probably the, the phrase he should have used, but because Brad McMillan was very good at his job. He was. Yep. Terrifi- terrifying, thick, big. You know, Grand Prairie, Alberta. They grow big up there, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was just—he was a terrifying man when he got out there. My buddy, my buddy was the trumpet guy at the Otters game. So if you watch any Otters footage from the home teams, you might hear him playing the trumpet. Whenever McMillan would drop the gloves, he would play the funeral march. <laughs> That's tremendous. And being as there weren't that many people there, you could totally hear it. <laughs> well, there we go. The uh, the top five. Missouri River Otters. That was a hell of a list, man. And uh, and like you said, it, uh, I mean, with all the like George Cantrell and Darren Kimball, and I mean, you could go. We could go. We could talk for for days about uh, the alumni, just overall alumni. Going, I mean, going through this list, you know, the list of players to do this. I'm just like, holy crap, because you don't. Back in those days, you didn't pay attention to stats. It wasn't. There was almost no coverage. There's, you know. Hockey DB, nobody knew about it yet. No, you know, I look at guys like Colin Chalk, who had almost 200 penalty minutes for the Otters in less than a season and a half. You know, all these guys. It was just the. It was always team toughness with all those teams. You know, and in those days, when the team would get down by three, the game was over. Let's fight, and yep. it would just go nuts. 
and that's that's what always made it fun, because you never knew what was going to happen. All right, well, there yeah, we go. I'm, I'm recording again here. We a uh, little little time out. We're back in action, though. So there's the the five Knicks five Missouri River Otter fighters. What a great list of names! Um, it's, and the thing about it, the, the names is there's so many more. Oh yeah, and there's so many more that just drops so many penalty minutes that nobody even thinks about. Yeah. Like uh, Andy Burnham, Anthony Capaletti. I mean, did I mention Colin Chalk? I don't even know. Colin Chalk. There's just so many guys. Yep. And no, always not, seemed absolutely. Tough. And then we, we, I think we had our, we had our fair share of minor league legends in seven years. I think we had four or five. You know, seven years of a minor league team that probably should never have existed, in, at least not in that area. And we got four or five legitimate minor league legends. So... <laughs> You know, it's, I wish it was still going on, but I can't complain because we got a we got a pretty good we got a pretty good couple of years there. Yeah, you had a good run. You would have saw you saw some cool shit, and uh, yeah, you, know, you got stories. And uh, no man, it was uh, like I said, it was it was great to have you back on the show and uh, to, uh, to to tell the uh, to tell the River Otter story. And uh, but before I'm before I get you out of here, I know you have started a new venture. Uh, I against. Uh, I tried to talk you out of it, but you wanted to get into podcasting for some goofy reason. But uh, you <sighs> you started up your own podcast, a music podcast. Did. Um, so what's it all about? Uh, right on when, here. When we, yeah, you're absolutely right. When we talked about when I was on the show the last time, you had suggested that podcasting was fun, but don't do it because it's a pain in the butt. And I, I haven't gotten to the pain in the butt part yet. I have found a great partner, my friend Duncan Evans who was formerly in the black metal band Force of Stars, currently solo with Duncan Evans Music, and he just released an album with a band called Moonlow as well. He's a Prophecy Productions recording artist, which is a pretty significant label on the other side of the pond in Europe. What we did for a while is we were doing Facebook Live events where we would together listen to something in hard rock or heavy metal that happened was notable, but nobody remembers. It all started when we listened to the Black Sabbath concert from 1992 when Black Sabbath opened up for Ozzy Osbourne for the first time ever. Hmm. And Ronnie James Dio said, fuck you guys, I'm not going. So they ended up getting Rob Halford of Judas Priest to step in. Um, No rehearsal time. Rob Halford singing a Black Sabbath set with Black Sabbath. I I wasn't. From there we moved on. It was... You, uh, we go track by track on that in the second episode of the podcast. Overall, it was interesting, and it's something everyone should know. I can't say it was good. I can't say it was bad. There are times when Rob Halford nailed it, and there were times when Rob Halford sounded like somebody was assaulting my cat. Huh. It, it, it went both ways. It's, it was an interesting night. The show after that that we just released was in order... To, to keep it balanced, we did Ozzy Osbourne's out live album, Speak of the Devil. It was a contractual obligation live album that he did under some very strange circumstances. Originally, Randy Rhodes was going to be on it, but then Randy Rhodes died. And Brad Gillis, of, who ended up being a Night Ranger, played guitar for him. And he plays this set of classic Sabbath songs. And it's just a weird, weird night. Next week, which actually, as as we're recording this, as it drops in two days, we are going to be listening to Quiet Riot 2. 
an album so obscure and so rare. It was only released in Japan in 1979, never even pressed to CD. There was one pressing of it in Japan. It's Quiet Riot featuring the late, great Randy Rhodes. He did two albums with Quiet Riot that were only released in Japan, but he and his mother blocked their release in America, so no one over here has ever heard them. Wow. We're going to go track by track on that one. And then we've got Kiss coming up. We've got Meatloaf. Uh, all kind of, we're gonna, and of course, we're going to dip back into the Black Sabbath pool. Probably find something with Iron Maiden. You know, a lot of, there's been a lot of really, I won't say great stuff, but a lot of stuff that has come and gone that we're just kind of digging back and see, to see if it's something we should dig back up or see if it's something we should bury. The name of the podcast is called The Department of Metal Antiquities. We are now on every major platform. Just go ahead. You can search us on Spotify, iTunes, Google, all of them. Well, I will definitely put a link in here, and I uh, will retweet that, of course. And, uh, um, yeah, well, well, to go back to initially uh, what you said, with, well, why didn't Dio want to do the concert? Dio said he would not open for that clown. Really? Dio had heat with Ozzy? Yes. Uh-huh. All right. Dio had heat with everyone. Really? Dio is an interesting person. Think about think about Ronnie James Dio for a second. He was in three bands. Can you name them? Well, I'm not. I'm, well, Dio. That's about all I know. Dio. Dio well, Sabbath. Black Sabbath. Yeah. And Rainbow. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that, actually. Yeah. Rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. And all of. And Elf, but we're not going to talk about Elf because Elf was awful. But. These three bands are legendary bands in the metal community. Yep. So, no, he's not an opening act. He's not going to... And then on top of that, he's not going to sing Ozzy's songs in front of Ozzy. So it, it, what's funny about that was they had only released their... Because re- that, al- that tour and that album was the first time Sabbath and Dio had played together in 10 years. And he quit three months after the album was released. Huh. And then they went back with Tony Martin. <laughs> well, I was going to say, did did Ronnie, did Dio hate Ozzy or did he hate Sharon? He hated Ozzy. I, I was going to say Sharon. I thought Sharon. I thought everyone hated Sharon. <laughs> everyone hates Sharon because she knows what she wants and she gets it. That she does. Uh, yeah. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird situation, but. I mean, it's just funny to me that they have this big reunion with Dio, who made such classic albums with the band. And then they're like, hey, we need to play this concert. And he's like, screw you guys, I'm going home. Uh, in his mind, his mind, I don't need you. I can go back to being solo. I did fine solo. Well, you know, I mean, it's the uh, the ego of rock and roll, right? So, Oh, completely. And the ego of Ronnie James Dio, which he has a significant ego. Yeah. But, I mean, they all do, so. But the problem with this stupid podcast is now I'm buying these expensive albums of things that I really don't like. Well, I was going to say, why, so I, why, why, why don't you do stuff that's already in your collection? Some of it is, and some of it isn't. Like, uh, obviously, the, the concert with Halford, we watched that on YouTube. The, you know, we, we get a lot of stuff off of YouTube. And then I do. I pull stuff out of my collection. You know, we've got a Kiss album coming up that I pulled out of my collection. We've got a Meatloaf album that I pulled up caught, that came out of my collection. There will be more Sabbath that we do that will come out of my collection because there are a bunch of Sabbath albums that have come and were just like a fart in a diving helmet. And then when the smell went away, nobody remembered them. 
Yeah. Did you know that the lead singer of Deep Purple did an album with Black Sabbath? No. Did you know the second lead singer of Deep Purple did an album with Black Sabbath? <clears throat> see, you're saying this to me. See, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm more of a hair metal guy. So, uh-huh. you know. Well, I then mean, you're going to want to check out Black Sabbath of the 80s. Well, I, I, I was I was leaning more to like uh, you know, uh, Lillian Axe or a Babylon AD or P- Pretty Boy Floyd or something like that, you know, or uh, Skid Row. Skid Row is my all time okay, favorite group. Yeah. You're a lot deeper into hair metal than I am. <laughs> Warrant, I like Warrant. Poison, Poison was the first I like concert Poison. I ever saw. Poison, uh, Tesla opened up for him. I love Tesla. Yeah, I my fan. first concert I ever saw was Corrosion of Conformity, Testament, and Iron Maiden. There you go. And it went it only, it only got nuttier from there. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna say I've but seen I, I've seen you talking about some of your stuff. I mean, you, you're you're like that old school kind of British metal, you know, like hard rock. And that's the thing. I'm not a huge Sabbath, uh, Deep Purple. You know, priest guy, not really. Some of their stuff's okay. Motorhead, I don't mind Motorhead. Some of Motorhead stuff's okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm more, I'm a little lighter than that. Yeah. I like stuff that goes so heavy that most people can't discern that it's music. Well, that too. Like, yeah, with the, yeah I'm not really into that music, but uh, yeah. I, okay. I, I do vinyl, as everybody knows. And, yeah. I have been upgrading my turntable. So I got a new cartridge and stylus and a new slip mat. The slip mat makes it sound better. I could tell a difference in the way, in the way carcass sounded because of the new slip mat. I have no idea what you just now, said, but I'm sure someone out there listening will. Carcass. Google Heartwork by Carcass. And you, you just, you know, watch it. That's, and when you listen to that song, know that's as melodic as they get. I'm going to send, after we're done, I'm going to send you a couple links to uh, a friend of mine here in town, his band called Adeline, and and they have, uh, they're, they're really heavy, and they've toured around the States, and he actually played, like he always says, way back when, when, uh, you know, remember when CBGB's was closing? Mm-hmm. And they were doing the big, oh, yeah. uh, the fundraiser for it, like to try to keep it open, and all those bands showed up to play. He actually got, they actually got invited to play. Adeline played. What was the name of the band again? Adeline. Spell that. A- uh, Adeline. A-D-O-Y-L-I-N-E, I think. I'll send you the link after. Adeline. But uh, their I'm first... I'm just wondering, because there's, there's a big PR guy in Canada, and he's probably worked with them. Um, do you know, uh, do you know a guy named Steve Austin? No, I don't. Oh, he works. Uh, what band is he in? I uh, can't remember. See, like I said, this is out of my wheelhouse. But I know Adelaide in her first album way back when was Walk the Walk the Red Carpet, motherfucker. I remember that was their first <laughs> album because I bought it for. Her. I wanted to support. I support. I worked at the casino with them. I wanted to support them. So local band. What the hell? I bought it, and I remember going home. I put it on the CD player on the drive home, and I'm like, Jesus, little little heavy for me. But uh, but I had the. I bought the shirt and helped them out. But I know they've been... No, Today's the Day. Is, it, is that a band? Today's the Day? It's a punk band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that band. is The singer or whoever is named Steve Austin. Anyway, that's the guy who got him, produced their album, and got him on the CBGBs. Anyway, he was on that stage. He goes, holy shit, that was like my Stanley Cup, was to be on that stage and to think this is where, like, you know, 
the Sex Pistols played and all that shit. He was, you know, that was his. He said I could have died then. I was good. I made it. <laughs> I made, he like goes. I made it. That was that's my. He goes. I'm never gonna play Madison. The music I play. I'm never gonna be in Madison Square Garden. So this was like my Madison Square Garden. So. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, the, the music I listen to, and it, it goes back to the podcast. It's I like the stuff that not everybody's heard because the stuff that everybody's heard is made to be heard and enjoyed by everyone. Whereas I like things that are more caustic, more specialized, and that's you know that's the underground music because it's not made for a bigger audience. And that's kind of how the podcast is: is we're looking at music, even albums by bands everybody knows that wasn't big enough for that band and it, it didn't make it it didn't didn't hit and that's that's the kind of stuff i dig no hey like i said i could get behind that right it's sort of like uh, you know everybody wants you to talk about the nhl and you want to talk about the missouri river otters it's like the same thing with music right everybody wants you to talk about uh you know the fucking black sabbath fucking live album that everyone has but you want to talk about the time that fucking rob halford showed up i mean it's like exactly uh, that's exactly it. I mean, I could talk about, you know, the reunion or Black Sabbath's first album, but no, let's talk about when Tony Martin came in and did a Black Sabbath album with it with just Tony and everybody else was gone. Or that album, that Black Sabbath album where half of the stories, have you seen Spinal Tap? Oh, of course. Yeah. You've seen Spinal Tap. Yeah. Half of those stories were from Black Sabbath, from a tour with Black Sabbath. Yep. Not with Ozzy. In the 80s Black Sabbath. How big's like your how, how big's your Stonehenge? Uh, the Black Sabbath Stonehenge <laughs> is actually twenty four meters tall. Ah, there you go. <laughs> it was so big they couldn't get it in most of the venues. Yeah. It was left on the side of a road. <laughs> awesome. So it wasn't twenty four inches. No, it was twenty four meters. <laughs> yeah, but they wanted it twenty four feet. There you go. So, that's, I mean, seriously, that album is most of Spinal Tap. Yeah. But nobody remembers that album. Uh, wow. And that's I have I, it. I bought it on vinyl. There you I go. I kind of regret it. <laughs> so that is, yes, that that is what I'm doing these days. And as, as always, still writing Glacier the Musical, still tweeting out whatever ridiculous crap comes through my mind at any given moment. And... I'm glad nobody's going to hear this today because now is not a day to pay attention to me. <laughs> no, well, it'll be this will be out tomorrow. We'll we'll see who the president of the United States is, and I I kind of have a feeling probably nobody will be listening to us tomorrow. We might they might be <coughs> they might be tuning into this finally on Thursday or Friday. We'll see, but you know, but uh, I no, hear you, man. I appreciate you coming on again, and uh, I always have fun talking to you, and I have fun talking to you online. And uh, I, ho- I hope, uh, I, you know, I joke about the podcast and everything, but I hope I wish you guys well, and hopefully it's uh, successful and you can get some folks listening. And uh, yeah, because it sounds like an interesting deal. Like I said, you're, uh, you know, you're you're going for the B, you're, uh, the B side, the deep cuts, and uh, you know, people that are really oh, into yeah. it. You'll you'll get the diehards for sure, and the diehards to me are always the, deep- the most fun to talk to. So we're going for the deep cuts of the deep cuts. Exactly. That's- yeah. And that's, yeah, it's, you know, we've had a good response so far. And it's, honestly, it's fun doing it because it's fun just listening to this stuff and really thinking about it. I have, uh, half of the stuff we have done so far I thought I liked before, but when really paying attention and analyzing it, I'm like, wow, these lyrics are really terrible. 
<laughs> yeah. So we'll, anybody who wants to hear, you can definitely get in on it. It's, like I said, Department of Metal Antiquities. And we, I, Darren, I, I always love talking to you. I, you know, I appreciate the fact that you sent me a fight DVD years ago. And I, you know, I appreciate all the time that we spend together on Twitter because you are one of the best followers on Twitter and always have been and love the show. And I'm thrilled to be able to be on it again. And I hope I did better this time than last time. I drank less beer this time. Well, they, no, you're great. Like I said, it couldn't have been that bad because I asked you on a second time. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to say desperate, but I don't know. Rock bottom? No, I won't say that. Hey, I, I am happy to be rock bottom, and I'm happy to be the second choice. No, it was uh, no, it was uh, well, it was either they're going to listen to you or they're going to listen to me. So it, uh, yeah, <laughs> either way, we're going to piss some folks off, and I think we did that today. Hey, that's my goal every day. You piss people off, you get more engagement. So <laughs> as long as they, as long as they know you from somewhere, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much. I definitely appreciate it. It's been a, it's been a blast. Absolutely, man. I appreciate. it. Thank you. All right. Thanks. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 